1: Or call 562 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. as Roller Martin Unfiltered by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. YOU CAN MAKE THIS POSSIBLE. HEY, FOLKS, WELCOME TO THIS SPECIAL EDITION OF ROLAND MARTIN UNFILTERED. ALTHOUGH IT IS THE HOLIDAY, WE STILL WANTED TO HAVE SOMETHING SPECIAL FOR YOU. AND WE GOT A GREAT THING FOR YOU. THIS SUMMER WHEN I WAS IN THE BAHAMAS FOR THE GLOBAL UNITED FELLOWSHIP CONFERENCE, Uh, IT IS LED, OF COURSE, BY BISHOP NEIL ELLIS. Uh, they had a number of events and speakers and and sermons, but there was a great conversation on manhood that took place between movie producer Devon Franklin and actor Dondre Whitfield. You remember Dondre, of course, long time on the Cosby Show, also on Queen Sugar and so many other shows and movies. And it really was this amazing, candid and honest conversation about manhood and so they gave us an opportunity uh to stream this for you i think you're going to enjoy this so here is devon franklin dandre whitfield from nassau bahamas from the global united fellowship conference trust me it's a discussion you do not want to miss
0: amen amen it is an honor and a pleasure to be with you again would you just give Bishop Ellis his, his honor and, and acknowledgement? Truly, truly, I am blessed to know him and to be able to call him friend. Uh, you may have your seat. You may have your seat. So I'm going to say a few words and then we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, I just want to reference breakthrough um, for a moment. And first of all, thank you, Global United Fellowship, for your love and support. Uh, Breakthrough did exactly that. It broke through at the box office. Um, We are, you know, I mean, we were able to hang in there for week after week. Uh, We surprised uh, so many people with the performance of the film. And it's one thing for me to be able to have the ability, through God's grace, to make movies. But it's another thing for you all to get out and support them. So I want to say thank you so much for getting out and supporting Breakthrough. It truly was a success. But here's the one thing I want to say about Breakthrough, which is relevant to each one of you here. And when Bishop Ellis called me and asked me to come, uh, what he's talking about this particular session is God wants to do something personal with each of us. If you are here, as they've already said tonight, it's not by accident. It's by divine appointment. Though, yes, you can give an applause to that. But before we transition into our truth talk, I just want to talk about a truth that's relevant so often we um... our happiness our depression our anxiety our our joy all comes down to an expectation that's either met or not so when it came to breakthrough i'll be very honest this this is what this nights about it's about being truthful my expectation of what the movie was going to do was through the roof all right i was expecting that this thing was gonna come out and you would have thought Avengers hit the scene, okay? Before Breakthrough came out, I got a call from a studio asking me if I was interested in potentially having a conversation with them to move my deal there. Now, I, I currently have a deal with Disney and Fox. Fox was purchased by Disney for $71 billion. You heard me right, billion. Y'all don't understand how much money there really is in the world. We, we serve a God that's rich in houses and land. Come on now. If, if, if a company could get bought for $71 billion and they don't even honor God, what would God do for those that are faithful to him? But that's a whole other message. That's a whole other message. This company said, are you interested? And I said, yes. And so the meeting that I was supposed to have with them was not going to happen until after breakthrough opened because of all the schedules. So here I am thinking that... You know, uh, God took me from Sony to Fox and and, and allowed Breakthrough. Breakthrough was one of the only films that was released once Disney took over Fox. And it was the first film to be released. And the film did well, but relative to my expectations, it did not work. Relative to my expectations. Everybody kept coming to me saying, Devon, you should be excited. Your movie's done about $15 million in five days. I said, but I wanted 30. We have an honest conversation right now. So then the question is, is God good? Or is he only good relative to my expectation? I'm coming and I'm sitting right next to you tonight. Because someone here is upset, not because God's not doing it. He's just not doing it in the way you want it relative to what you expect for him to do. And so what I began to see is that because the reason why I was so frustrated is because I was attaching my future to the success of Breakthrough. In my math, I said, okay, if Breakthrough breaks out in a major way, that means I will be able to get uh, my deal renewed with Disney and Fox. That was what I thought. The movie did great. We did about 50 million worldwide on a $14 million budget, but it didn't necessarily break out. And when I went to Disney and Fox and said, are you interested in renewing the deal? They said no. And I said, well, God, what is your plan? I know you brought me to Hollywood. I know you placed me in this industry. But relative to what I'm expecting, God, this is not turning out according to my plan. God says you missed it. He said, too often when we have expectations, we try to get him to do it the way that we want him to do it instead of letting him do it the way that he wants to do it. He said, Devon, your math is off. Why do you think the success of Breakthrough has anything to do with your future in the business? If you made the movie and one person broke through, you need to know I count that the same way Hollywood would count a hundred million dollar blockbuster. Because the way that heaven sees things is different than the way that we see things. And I said, God, I understand that. I said, but help me understand what you're doing because if Disney and Fox don't want me, now listen, I'm telling y'all my business. Because y'all my family. Don't know, no, no one in the industry knows what I'm telling you right now. But I'm keeping real with you because I don't want you to think that I get up here and just because I'm in a certain position that that means I'm absent of the pain of the process. It's not true. And so what God, is, what God was saying is, you're so focused on the result, you've actually missed the only thing that's within your control, which is the process. How often do we get mad that the result isn't what we wanted, but God says, you don't have control over the result. I do. The only thing you can control is the process that leads to the result. If you manage the process well, let me take care of the result. And remember in my word, all things work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So I went to the meeting with the other studio. And now mind you, in my mind, because my expectations were not met, I'm thinking that they're thinking that I'm thinking the way that they're thinking. You get what I'm saying? I'm saying, oh man, you know, I'm going into this meeting. They called me before the movie came out. They had an expectation of what the movie was going to do. The movie underperformed relative to my expectations. I bet it underperformed to their expectations. And as a result, they're not gonna want me and I'm gonna have to shut down my company. You see where we go? I go into the meeting, it's a lunch meeting. We don't even talk about movies. We just have a conversation. And at the end of it, he said, so, are we doing this deal? Uh, uh, well, you don't... Do you care about breaking, man, listen. We don't worry about the success of the film. We want you because we believe in you. I don't know who this is for. You think you have been disqualified relative to your performance, but God says, no, I see your performance. Get your hands off the result. Put your faith in the process, and I will take you everywhere you need to be. Some of you have disqualified yourself from a result that God says it's already written into your story. Stop doing the math that you're not going to get it. What is yours is yours. It don't matter if the business you have makes a dollar or a million. If God says you're supposed to be in business, you're going to stay in business. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but please allow God to bring you what he wants in his time. Why do I start the message in our time with truth? Because if I am honest, this is what is lacking in the body of Christ truth, honesty. I don't want you to think just because physically I'm on an elevated platform that that means I live an elevated life relative to where you are. It's not true. We all struggle. And I think the more we can flatten out from the pew to the pulpit, the more truth will be in the church. So about 18 months ago, God, God, through the urging of someone else, um, I had this idea for a book called The Truth About Men, What Men and Women Need to Know. And it was all about how we as men struggle between love and lust. And every man has this war raging in them. And God gave me this idea years ago, and, and, and this person urged me to write it. I said, I'm not writing it. I said, because as men, we don't like to look in the mirror. And it's dangerous to write a book about what men need to do better. But you know when God tells you to do something? Most of the time he tells you to do it, you know it's him because you don't want to do it. Some of you are sitting on a word from God right now. You know it's him because you don't want to do it. That's the very thing you've got to do. So I went ahead and wrote this book, The Truth About Men, What Men and Women Need to Know. And in this book, I talk about the necessity for us to live in truth. And that truth is to not present a superhero gospel. What do I mean by that? Leave the superheroes for the screen. No matter how much of the spirit is in me, I still live in a body of flesh. And if I am not aware of what the flesh wants to do and not suppress that, I will find myself doing things that work against the spirit because I'm not being honest about the struggles of my flesh. So I've been on this campaign for the beginning of this year when the book came out, to now, speaking all around the world talking about how we can bring more truth and doing things called truth talks. And so one of my brothers who I brought here today, uh, he and I had a truth talk on Instagram Live and it, it, it went viral. People started sharing it all over the place because rarely do you have two men talk honestly and openly about the challenges of being a man. And there we were in the public forum bearing our souls not to do it to be salacious, but to do it because do you listen to what's going on in the culture? Have you listened to the songs that are out there? If, 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 if artists are not pulling back on what they are trying to teach you, why do we pull back in the church about telling you the truth, about the honesty of what we're going through? So tonight, I wanted to bring my brother, Dondre Whitfield, Many of you know him, as Bishop Ellis mentioned, he, he got his, uh, you know, basically his claim to fame was being a regular on the Cosby Show. Uh, but since then, he has dominated film, he's dominated television. Many of you who watch Queen Sugar on OWN, you know him as Remy, yes? Um, we're gonna pray for Remy, that God will resurrect Remy, amen? <laughs> for those of you that watch the show, you know. Anyway, if you don't, you're gonna see what happens. Um, but beyond that, D'Andre has a book that's coming out. The way that I did The Truth About Men, he has a book coming out in January called Male Versus Man. And as he has been in Hollywood, he began this journey to manhood. And I wanted to bring him here tonight so that the two of us could have what I call a truth talk and walk through some of these challenges and issues with the intent of all of us being honest about what we're going through. There are going to be some moments you may get a little uncomfortable. You can just get quiet in your spirit, amen. We're not here to ouch you, amen, all right? Um, and, and at the end, I want to do a Q&A and open it up if there's any questions, any thoughts uh, that we can help unpack for you. Because I do believe that too often when we come together, we don't talk. We don't dialogue. We don't converse. Turn to your neighbor and say, how are you? Turn to your other neighbor and say, God is with you in your struggle. Dondre, come on up. Give Dondre Whitfield a round of applause as he comes up. You can do better than that, Global United. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Please. So I, I really want. Wow. You, you, man, I told man, you they wow. were amazing, right? Wow. We, and,
2: and we got a rainforest here and <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, we got the ferns, so you know,
0: between two ferns. <laughs> so, so here's what I really want to start, because some people only know you from the Hollywood persona. Right. And, and I want to actually go beyond the persona to the person. You and I, years ago, when I was at Sony, I'll never forget, You know, I was at an event. Um, I think it was like a house uh, party. And you were there, and you're like, yo, D, we didn't know each other at the time. And he was like, yo, we got to talk. And we ended up talking and coming together, and you started sharing your testimony with me. And I thought that it was so powerful to help inform who you are now and why you are so determined uh, with this message, male versus man. So would you just give us some insight into the, the testimony and what really changed your life? Wow. You know, um, it's, it's interesting that, that you started
2: off with uh, the persona and the person. The persona is someone's performance. The person is someone's purpose. So let me explain that by giving you this story. Um, my best friend, um, who literally, he and I were as, as close as brothers could be. We did everything together. We played golf together. Our families uh, hung out together. And this was just before the birth of my first child, and um, he said, "You know, I, I." He saw me ride motorcycles, and I was in the thick of my maleness and constantly proving what kind of, what I thought was a man, what was really my maleness, with my motorcycle. All right. So I would be the hooligan doing wheelies down the freeway, and that's how I proved my manhood because that's what the streets of brooklyn taught me i'm doing this while i'm on television shows so one day he says i've always wanted to learn how to ride a motorcycle i was like well awesome man i said we got to get you in a motorcycle safety class how ironic is that i'm doing all the things that are unsafe but i'm telling him he needs to right He finally gets through the course. He gets his motorcycle, and he's about to go out on the freeway for the first time. He said, I'll meet you at your house. I said, no, sir. I'm gonna come and meet you at your house because I gotta usher you into this. My job is to look after you. I go, I pick him up. We ride. We go all the way down to uh, Melrose in LA. And we park in front of this place where typically motorcycles park out in front, this place called Johnny Rockets. And it was exciting. He was amped up. I was amped up. My best brother, we're riding motorcycles. I'm sharing my passion with him. He said, what do you want to do now? He said, let's ride down to Pasadena. I said, okay. So we get back onto the freeway. And on the 110 freeway, before it dumps off into traffic, There's a big looping turn and every time I would get to that turn I'd get down on one knee doing a hundred miles an hour, no exaggeration, a hundred miles an hour in this turn on one knee. I had another uh, brother of mine did the same exact thing. We decided we were going to indulge ourselves. So I signal to my brother who doesn't know how to ride well, who's just getting on the freeway for the first time. I signal to him, look here, slow down. There's a turn coming up. I want you to slow down. I'm going to go up. You stay back here. I'm going to go up here. I'm going to indulge myself rather than look after my brother. So we go, and in the thick of my maleness, I go into this turn, 100 miles an hour, knee down, again, powerful, exciting, the rush. We get to the light, we high five, we do the whole thing. We look back into the turn, and I don't see my brother. We look at each other as riders, we know what that means. Something's going wrong. Car pulls up beside us and says, hey, you guys got a bike down back there. We turn back around, we get onto the other side. He is in the middle of the freeway, bike is up against the rail. I get down and I get to him, he's breathing, his eyes are fluttering, he's breathing really fast. And I began talking to him and I said, You cannot leave here. It immediately came on my spirit. I said, you cannot leave here. You got a wife and two kids. You cannot leave here. I said, my daughter is about to be born. You haven't even met her yet. You cannot leave here. This is a really dynamic story. I'm going to cut this short. But in the end, when we went to the hospital... They went from taking an arm to a leg to having swelling on the brain to finally they had to pull the plug. It was three months before my daughter was born. His last name was Parker. My daughter's name is Parker. The toughest prison you will ever be in is the prison of yourself knowing when you haven't answered the bell. God put me in position to look after my brother and I indulge myself. In September, it will be 15 years. The pain is still as fresh. But out of that pain came purpose. Because I realized I said I would never again leave my post I will never again leave my post and I realized that I was at the peak of my maleness and I was trying to figure out why is this so difficult and it finally hit me it's because you're not walking as a man mm-hmm. and so My father was in and out of jail my entire life and not having a model that I could mirror for manhood left me in that space. And so every day after that just came this process of me trying to find my way toward manhood. And that's where I finally got to this book, male versus man. And just so you know the difference, because I know some of you are going, well, what is the difference? Grown males, and we got a lot walking around this earth right now. A grown male is a male who generally looks to be served. Did you see how I did that on the motorcycle? I went and I served myself. A man is a male who generally looks to be of service. Huge difference. As a husband... You got to be a man. Why? Because that's looking to be of service. Sisters, when you date a grown male, you will know because he will look to serve himself first. So this book, when it comes out in January, I travel the country teaching young, primarily young black and brown males how to become men because most a lot of our brothers have left their post. So a lot of our younger brothers grow up not knowing what it is to be a man because they don't have a man that is there to model for them what they are supposed to mirror. These young brothers are acting out and are mirroring what is being modeled for them. And so we have to be the models that they now mirror.
0: Wow. You hear it for Don Drake just being so transparent. I know that was hard. That was
2: hard. It's still hard.
0: Um, and I think the thing that you're saying, which is so profound to me is uh, tragedy, you know, that tragedy, uh, can transform us if we allow it. Yes. Um, uh, you know, I, my, I, my father, he was 36 years old when he had a massive heart attack and died, died when I was nine years old, uh, leaving my brother, my mother, uh, to raise me, my older brother and younger brother. So in in my entire life, most of my memories of my father were when he was drunk. He was an alcoholic, he struggled with alcoholism his entire life. Um, His brother struggled with it. Uh, I just recently found out that uh, my grandmother, his mother and my grandfather were both alcoholics. Just found that out just a few months ago. And so I'll never forget, it was so painful um, losing my father. Uh, My father was in and out of the house. This is a true story. He was in and out of the house, and so uh, you know, right before he passed away, he had resurfaced. He had gotten a job, a stable job. He got a place where he was living, and he came, you know, to us, and we hung out with him. Went to the restaurant where he was working, so on and so forth. Um, Sun. It was a Sunday night. We got the call that he had a heart attack. He went into the hospital. We went to go visit him in the hospital. The following day, Monday. He is sitting up in the bed, talking to you the same way, talking to us the way, I'm, the way I'm talking to you, talking to you. And he said, I want my family back. When I... When I get out of here, I'm gonna get you all back. The next day, we are uh, coming home from school. We get to the house, we're gonna go to the hospital phone rings. My mother screams. We rush to the hospital and my mother goes. She's gone for a very long time. She comes back. She takes me and my brothers, walks us to the morgue at the hospital. And there's our father lying dead. And she says, kiss your father goodbye. You've never experienced the cold unless you have experienced the cold of death. Mm. Go over to him, kiss him on his forehead. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to process this. I I don't understand. I didn't even want to go to the funeral. It was so painful, but they encouraged me. My family said, no, you gotta go. You need that memory. I'm thankful that I had the memory. Coming out of that, I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what to do. I don't have a model, there were, there were different men in, our, in, our, in my life, but not one that really took an interest that was like, we're gonna be, con- I'm gonna be consistent with you and your brothers. Right. So as a young man, you know, male, trying to figure this out, it was very difficult. Yes. The thing that transformed me was me seeing, I, two things, one, I don't wanna end up like this, Right. and what work was cut short in him that I'm supposed to finish? Amen. Yes. Amen. And so as, as a man, I began that path as a you know, teenager to figure out, OK, well, how, what do I have to do to be, as you say, a man, yes. not just a male? Yes. And as I grew into that you know, manhood, I said, OK, Here's the thing, if I, you know, the church, I was raised in the church, you know, okay, my thing was like, all right, well, I'm not gonna drink. Okay, cool. So I, I haven't drank. I was like, you know what, I'm just not gonna do that. I mean, it, I mean, it's amazing when you say you don't drink, how many people want to get you to drink. It's right. unbelievable. It's
2: unbelievable. Don't nobody want to pay for every,
0: every drink <laughs> at any place you want to go, am I right? I don't
2: drink, well, this right. is special.
0: Right, here's a shot. <laughs> Try this, come on, you know. Don't you want some Syrah? No. But here's the thing that was so interesting, which, I, which will help us transition into the next area I want to cover, which is this. Being raised in the church, I said, okay, hey, I'm going to wait to have sex until marriage. Right? right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to prove my manhood mm-hmm. through declaring to everyone that this is what I'm going to do and to, you know, basically just try to crucify my flesh. Right. Um, 18 years old happened, got into a relationship my senior year of high school, and my decision to wait went out the window. Now, I know some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all can't relate. here's what. But here's what was interesting. I kept telling everybody else that I was still waiting. Mm -hmm. Because I felt like if I walked in that truth. That's right nobody would accept me, I'd be rejected. That's right. But the more that I began to present this image, but do something else, it tore me up.
2: Definitely, absolutely.
0: And so that wrestling between who I said I was and who I really was, it was so painful. It's truly what has prompted me to this moment to be on this crusade the same way you are, because as men, And and yes, this is also, I think, true for for some women, but as men, we are killing ourselves. Yes. Because we're presenting an image. That's right. But when we go home, we're something else. That's right. That's right. And we're not being honest that it is hard. It is hard to navigate this flesh. Yes. Very, very difficult. I'm going to say this last part, and then I'm going to ask you a question. So I didn't wait. Didn't wait my entire college career was in and out of a few relationships i was in a relationship when i graduated college and i said to god god if you can get me out of this i will wait because i was not strong I was, come on y'all have an honest moment i wasn't strong enough to stop in that relationship. i just wasn't i said lord i want to stop i can't right. need your help right. if you get me right. out of this then i'll wait until marriage again right. he got me out of that relationship i did not know that i wasn't gonna get married for another 10 years Praise the Lord. Amen. Somebody. Amen. <laughs> but here's where I'm going. I think, oh, I get married. I ain't got to worry about this lust. I call lust the dog. The dog is asleep. <laughs> uh, I say, I do. Uh, man.
2: I can't wait to talk about this one. Man.
0: Dude, a couple <laughs> months into this marriage. Yes. That dog wasn't asleep. I mean, the dog wasn't gone. It was sleeping. <laughs> That's right. That thing woke up. I said, what's happening? I thought marriage just took care of lust. No, sir. M- My no brother, sir. we are married to some of the most beautiful women on the planet. I was just give- That's why I so, said I wasn't so talking about... So let me about- ask you a question <laughs> yes. as a man. Yes. Why... Is the attractiveness of our wives not enough not, to manage the flesh?
2: Not close. Are we not saying co- too much? Are we saying? No, no, no. We're going to say more Can than we, this, so you better get roll, yourself okay. ready. Okay. <laughs> Sisters, let me tell you something, and then I'll get to my brothers, Sisters, let me tell you something. I don't care how fine you are, because my wife is one of the finest I've ever seen in my life. Mine too. Okay. Amen. I can't say that about your wife because that's my sister. But some have said, some some people have said that. Some people have said that. Some people have said your wife is fine. (laughs) Two of the finest, two of the coldest. It ain't enough. It ain't enough. Here's what you are looking at. You're looking at hunters. You are looking at hunters. Let me break this down real quick. When a man says to his woman, I want to make you my wife. What he's saying is, he's asking for permission, very distinctly saying, hey, listen, I am no longer going to go out here and hunt all over the reservation. Our home is my new reservation, and I got to be allowed to hunt in here when I need to. here's what happens sister says yeah of course this is your reservation this is your reservation you hunting here whenever you want and he says okay, okay. you sure she says, of course of course you got you got the ring he's like i got the ring but are you sure she says boy you better stop playing come on of course, give me that ring. You get the ring, and then you put on your fatigues. The gun is at the ready. And then you get to the gate, and it says, No hunting allowed.
0: Come on now. This, 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 this ain't, this,
2: this ain't happened to nobody, huh? This ain't happened to nobody. Oh, oh, oh the brothers are standing up. It has happened to somebody. Okay, I see some more come brothers on, standing up. Okay, 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 and that brother now. raising his hand. Right. Okay, right. okay. So now, here's what happens. Now, I'm going to tell you this just like I told my queen, my wife. I said, babe, my job is to keep me. I, sister, unfold your arms. You don't have to be upset. You don't have to be upset. You don't have to be upset. She already she mad with me already. We ain't even in relationship. Unfold your arms in the name of Jesus. I told my wife, I mean, I told my wife, I said, babe, my job is to keep me out the street. Your job is to make it easier. Help mate, help, help mate, help me, help you, help us. When, when, when I walk and I see a sister coming in my direction, and I can feel in my flesh, if that particular uniform that she's wearing is physically attractive to me, I'm already rebuking, okay man, okay. So now head down, gotta keep moving. Head down, keep, going. Gone. 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 If my head is up too long, and I'm surveying too long. I'm immediately on a call with my wife. Because we haven't had a session. It's been too long. Right? We just being real. Hey, listen. This thing is going to bleed. You, you understand? This is just flesh. I don't care who you are as a man. And watch this okay every brother in here particularly up in here There's a whole lot of power right up in here <laughs> the more power you got the more power you are given the more they come in to get this right here and the same weapon that you have the same gift that you have look if you got a gun and you fighting off evil with that gun that gun can be used to hurt you too. So the weapon that's formed against those can be formed against yourself. So the more power you get, the more power you are given, the harder it is to maintain all of this because some woman that is fleshy who doesn't understand her assignment is coming for you.
0: Okay, so this is, this is good. This is good what i hear you saying is that as a man yes you have to be aware oh of the fact that you're, doesn't matter no matter how holy you are you're still a man and you have to yes. safeguard yourself yourself against yourself
2: against yourself
0: because the the reality is that women really don't have to do much uh, we, 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 breathe we, that's it <laughs> B- meaning, breathe meaning women don't have to do much to get a, to get a man to operate in the flesh most men are already in that place. Walk right. It's very simple and don't smell good <laughs> But watch this watch this Here's what was so interesting since we're talking about sex is this too much y'all are we saying too much? All right, so again, we're gonna go a little bit deeper I'm telling you some stuff here. So going back to sex and marriage. Yes, which is important uh, a lot of times this is where the enemy does the most damage. Yes, because the person that you are married to oftentimes can be the person you are least honest with. Yes. You least communicate with. Yes. And the person you're least intimate with. Yes. Why does this all break down? So I'll give you all some insight into my marriage. Again, y'all. I'm sharing my truth. Okay. So Megan and I got married, you know, seven years ago in June. Mm-hmm. Amen. Give it up for seven years. And, yes, um, indeed. Say it again?
2: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed.
0: So, um, you know, she, when we started, when we got married, you know, of course, somewhere in the book of Genesis, it says that, you know, the women's supposed to cook and the men's supposed to take out the trash. That's, that's in the book of Genesis. <laughs> Y'all, yeah, it missed it, That's what it That's said. only
2: in the book of Genesis. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, so again, so I had an expectation, right? So Megan was like, cool, at the beginning of the marriage, you know, she's, you know, she had one good recipe in her repertoire. It was baked chicken. She could bake that chicken, y'all. I mean, it would come out the oven juicy, man. she yeah. had the corn, some potatoes. And when she really get fancy, she'd throw some green beans, OK? okay. Yeah. Hey, and I said, listen, as long as there's baked chicken, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. So I would come home day after day from work, and there would, rest assured, be baked chicken. Right. Long, true story. <laughs> so I'm thinking marriage is great. It's unbelievable. Lord, Uh, I can't believe you did this. What happened? happened? Time. (laughs) So then she leaves to go shoot a television show in New York. She's gone for about six months. She comes back, and I'm like, it's cool, baby. Go work, no problem. I'll hold it down while you're gone, no problem. And I would travel to see her on set. I would take care of my food at home, no problem. She wraps the show, she comes home. And I remember, just like it was yesterday, I walk in the kitchen, I'm coming home from work, <laughs> nothing. Uh, I, I don't smell no cheese. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I go over to, to the microwave. Maybe it's in the microwave. Wasn't well, nothing in the microwave. Nothing in the microwave. I go over to the oven. Maybe she just ain't turned it on yet. Ain't nothing in the oven. So I said, It's okay. No problem. No problem. It's all right. It's all right. She, she, it's the first day back. No problem. Right, right, right. I came Second home day. again. <laughs> I don't smell no chicken <laughs> ain't nothing in the refrigerator no, sir. so what begins to happen we're talking about expectation unspoken and yes. how this can disrupt sex yes i had an unspoken expectation that this is something she was supposed to do watch this so day after day when it wasn't done i began to get a little salty right. a little cold you know i come in and give her a kiss but i'm not That too chatty. I'm a little like, you know, oh well, you know, like I'm hungry, so why haven't you cooked? Right. Unspoken expectation. Right. So it gets to the point where finally we have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And do you know why? Mm -hmm. Because when I wanted to go hunt, the sign was on the door. Sign was on the door. And so I said, well, why is the sign on the door? You've
2: been gone for six
0: months. And we began to have an honest conversation. Mm -hmm. And what she began to reveal is this I could feel your expectation, and it took the joy out of it for me. Because it went from something I wanted to do to then something I was obligated to do. That's right. I'm going to come get in your marriage right now. I'm liberating someone right now. And so what I began to hear, and, and, and what she was saying was like, do you love me as your wife because I bake the chicken? Right. Or will you love me whether I feel like baking chicken or not? And because your love feels conditional, mm-hmm. even though I don't want to, it makes it hard for me to give myself to you mm-hmm. because that feels conditional as well. So I said, oh, wow. Immediately, her truth really got me to a place where I said, okay, I have to, first of all, I apologize. Because what I realized was that I believe that by the time most women get into marriage, most women have endured so much abuse by the time they get into marriage. Yes. Sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, spiritual abuse, right? And so much of how people treat them, especially men, is conditional. If you do this, I'll do that. If you give me this, I'll give you that. So the idea is that when they come into marriage, it's like, here's an opportunity where I can heal from the abuse and be loved just for who I am, not for what I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I was putting that expectation on the marriage, and here's the crazy thing. I hadn't even asked her if I could expect that. How can we hold someone accountable for something they haven't even agreed to do? Right. Yes. You see yes. how crazy this is? Yes. So I'm getting mad at her, but I never asked her, hey, babe, in our marriage, can I expect this? Right. Are you okay with doing this? Right. I didn't do that. I just started judging her because she wasn't doing it, and she didn't even know it was an expectation until I started treating her a way that was against who I said I wanted to be as a husband. Absolutely. So in that moment, I said, babe, I apologize as your husband. hmm the last thing I want you to do is to, to think that my loving you is conditional. Mm-hmm. Truth be told, where did this idea that you need to cook come from anyway? Right, that's just past. From all yeah. these ideas, if you wanna do it, great. Right. But why do I think just because you're the wife that's what's supposed to happen? That's right. Ah, That's right. y'all ain't ready for this truth, right. but we gonna that's give right. it to you anyway. Yeah. that's right. So what I said to her is I said, babe, no longer am I gonna put the expectation of you cooking on this marriage yep. we're going to figure it out yep. if you feel like cooking great, if I feel like cooking great, but no longer am I going to be your husband and the leader and lead you in a way that makes you think this is un- this is conditional love for this yes. now yes I took the expectation off. Yep. guess what happened? the sign came off the door That's it. <laughs> <laughs> because there was no condition. Right. And there was a freedom to yes. be who she wanted to be without the obligation to do something she may not have wanted to do. That's right. So do I get some baked chicken now and again? Yes, I do. Yes. But sometimes I'm the one trying to bake the chicken. Yes. Or we order the chicken. That's right. The point is this, too often as men, we think that our manhood is an excuse to be and do what we want to do. Yes. Yep. When really, to your point, real manhood is about service no question about it and if we don't start with serving our wives That's right. how can we then think we're going to serve the community There's,
2: it's impossible
0: it starts at home let me
2: yes indeed yeah. and and let me just say this i have often said um i used to there were certain times in my marriage where i felt like why did god send me my wife I can, my my mother taught me how to cook. I I can iron. I I can care for myself totally from head to toe. I know he didn't just send my wife to me to be a, a, a physical vessel. Why did God send me my wife? And I used to sit with that every single day. And it finally hit me. If I can master dealing with my wife... I can master dealing with my life. Because my wife is going to introduce certain parts of myself that aren't good. She will challenge me in ways that the world can't even challenge me. So if I can master dealing in that space, when I get out here, you got nothing for me. You got nothing for me. Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example. Early on, before my wife and I got married, I asked my wife, I said, what was your relationship with or like with your father? And she said, oh, I had a great relationship with my father. I was like, "Whoo, all right. Good, because that's a great indication. I come to find out later on that actually... My wife had uh, lost her, her father. Her father and her mother got uh, divorced very early on, and they saw each other from time to time. And when I found that out, I said, hey, I thought you said that you had a great relationship with your father. She said, well, we didn't fight or anything. I said, that's not a great relationship. It's a cordial relationship. But that's not a great relationship. And what I finally realized was wow, some of the one of the most profound forms of abuse is abandonment. Many of our sisters, okay? Brothers, I want you to not react when I say this. Don't react. Sisters act like you don't even hear it Have you ever been greeted by a sister and you feel like what is all this attitude about we don't even know each other Some of our sisters have been abandoned by somebody who looks like us So it's very difficult for them to give themselves over to Somebody who looks like you because you look like the brother who abandoned them how can she trust that you are not going to abandon them because this was supposed to be sometimes it's dad. So if dad abandoned them and you're less than that than dad, how can I trust you to not abandon me? This was supposed to be the baddest man on the planet and he abandoned me. What makes me think as a woman that you won't? And so what you're dealing with in our sister who greets you that way is fear. It feels like aggression. That's how we get it confused. It feels like aggression, but it isn't. It's fear. The aggression just comes from the fact that saying, back up, back up. I can't give you my heart because I can't have it broken one more time. And just because you have a wife doesn't mean that she's not dealing with that same source of abandonment. And I realized that about my wife. My wife wants to give herself over to me fully, but she is battling the small version of herself. That five-year-old little girl in her that got abandoned. And she's still dealing with it in our marriage. And every single day, whenever she reacts to me in a certain way, I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, is this produced by something I did? Or is this produced by That dude? And I gotta care for it.
0: And what I find so fascinating about that, I know we have, uh, you know, our time is, is just about up, but what I find so fascinating about that, and I think why it's so important for us as men, is to, you know, when the Bible says, so often, you know, we, we look at Ephesians 5, we focus on women submit, wives submit. But really, it's husband's love. No question. No as question. Christ loved the church. Yes and he sacrificed everything for the church. It doesn't say love if she submits. Right. That command to us as husbands is independent of her reaction to how we love. That's exactly right. And I think that it's so important for us as men to get back to sacrifice and service and truth. Why is this so necessary? Because the only way that I believe we can navigate this flesh and honor our commitment and not cheat on our wives and not do one thing and say another is to be able to communicate with each other. I know that there are a lot of leaders in the house. If you don't have someone to talk to, you might be positioning yourself to fall to the very thing you're trying to resist. No
2: question about it. No question
0: about it. It's not a sign of weakness to say, hey, I just delivered this sermon. Yo, I need some help because what I wanted to do after this after service was not what I preached about.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yo, I'm, I'm traveling. I'm by myself. Yep. What I'm thinking about doing, I'm, I'm about. We need, I call in the book, create a safe space. We have to have safe spaces to talk. And the last thing I want to say is this. Too often in the church, when people are honest, we judge them. Yep. We sit them down. We hit them with how could you. So what does it do? It disincentivizes anybody from being honest because it's like, oh, I saw what you did to the last person that was honest. They lost their job. They got taken off the pulpit. Like, no, 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 I'm not going to be honest. I'm going to present an image. Yeah. And the reality, I'll just deal with me and Jesus. And we wonder why we're losing our power and our influence. Yep. Because people come in the, in the house and they don't feel the truth. They feel the truth in the world. Yep. You know, young people saying, yo, I listen to Drake. You know, I listen to Blue Faith. Why? Because I hear more truth than I hear in the church. We gotta change that by being honest. Yes. just because we're here doesn't mean we have it all together. And we have to start communicating with one another as a key to get it done. One last thought. Le- then we gotta close, I know, I know we got to go.
2: But this, this is a really good one. Uh, the accountability that we have as accomplished men in each other.
0: That's right.
2: When we see something about us Yo, and that walk ain't right, one. there's a phone call coming. That's right. It's very easy for us to stifle God's voice because God's voice is, with, is in us. It's very difficult to silence your brother's voice because it's outside of us We need that loving accountability and I'm gonna tell you something we can come here and we can feel like often We can feel like we got healed But sometimes we were just distracted The Bahamas is beautiful Walk outside here and see how distracted you are It will produce a great feeling It will leave you walking away feeling like, I've been healed. You just got distracted. So we got to be intentional about saying, okay, let me go inside and figure out what's going on that I need to restore and resuscitate. And then get some loving accountability around us to make sure that we're being held to that standard.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. I wish... We have more time. Have you all been enjoying this conversation? Has it been helpful to you? So here's what I want to do. Please stand up. Yes, sir. Um, I first want every woman in the house to stand, if you would. Every woman in the house to stand. As two men, uh, men of God, we want to apologize because there have been some men that abandoned you yeah there have been some men that abused you there have been some men that that literally had no regard for your heart or your body they took what they wanted and they left and you've never heard i'm sorry dandre and i stand in the gap tonight yes and we apologize
2: we apologize
0: we are sorry for the times when you were hurt for the times when you were abandoned for the times when we as men did one thing said one thing and did another. We want you to know that we as your brothers are with you, we are for you, and we are on a mission to change the culture one man at a time.
2: Yes, indeed, amen.
0: One man. Amen. If you are a man in the house, I'm asking that you would stand right now. If you are a man in the house, I'm asking that you would stand. Look at that. I want you to know that you are greater than your struggle. And it's okay to admit as a man that you don't have it all together. That's right. Strength is found in weakness, not in just projecting more strength. I need you to know that God did not just bring you here tonight just to make you feel good, or us to feel good. He brought us here as men because he wants us to change. Amen. If you are struggling, in a way that nobody knows. I'm not asking you to put your business out there publicly, but I am urging you privately to find somebody you can talk with. As Bishop Ulmer mentioned, uh, there are people here this, at this conference you can talk with just to say, hey, I don't know how to deal with this. Can you show me the way? If you are a man, please do not find your strength in silence. Your strength is found in communicating your strength is found in talking about what's really going on. Amen. So as we close, Brother D, I want you to do a 30-second prayer, if you would, over the men in this house to seal this conversation.
2: Yes, indeed. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this space tonight. I thank you for vulnerability. Yes. My brother Devon is such a great man And I thank you so much for his loving accountability. I thank you for allowing the two of us to be able to show our vulnerability, which is really showing our true strength as men. We have to learn how to humble ourselves up in front of our brothers and say, I don't have it all. And the reason why I don't have it all is because I'm lacking information. And if I don't have that information, it's incumbent upon me to go to my brother Be vulnerable. Look him in the eye and say, brother, I need your information in order to elevate my manhood. And so, Father, I just ask that you give every single brother in this room the strength, the courage, the wisdom, again, the vulnerability to stand in front of his brother and say, I don't have it all, but I'm making my way. Allow me to be elevated. Allow me to get the information that I need in order to be the husband that I need to be, in order to be the father I need to be, in order to be the leader I need to be, in order to be the man that you have ordained me to be. So I ask all of these things humbly in your son's name. Amen.
0: Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every woman in the house. I pray, dear Lord, that you would heal their heart, that you would let them know that you love them, single or married. At the end of the day, dear Lord, I want every woman to know that they are valued and that they are valuable, that they are loved and they are loved. And I pray that what is done here tonight will resonate far and wide. It's time as men and women that we stop talking at each other and begin to talk with one another. And I'm crazy enough to believe that that conversation and that healing begins tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: All right, folks. I certainly want to thank Global United Fellowship, Bishop Neil Ellis, Dondre Whitfield, and Devon Franklin for allowing us to stream that for you. It really is a great conversation, and uh, be sure to get Devon's book as well as look out for Dondre's book in January of 2020. And folks, uh, this is why we do Roland Martin Unfiltered to bring you these type of conversations. That you really can't get anywhere else, and so we certainly want you. Uh, to please support us in what we do, go to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support this show, uh, to make it possible for us to be able to travel to places like the Bahamas, and other places to cover these events and to bring you these type of stories. So go to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Use uh, Cash App, PayPal, or Square to support the show. And we certainly appreciate all that you do. Thanks a so bunch, folks. and I shall see you tomorrow. Have an absolutely fabulous, fabulous day. Hey fam, I want you to like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications.